I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. Well, hello, Elizabeth. How are you doing today? How are you, Sandy? And I'm so glad to hear your voice. (laughs) I would like my listeners to be introduced to my very special guest and friend, Elizabeth Garcia Janice. And she, uh, she is a doctor, and we became very well acquainted when I was in Hill City. And then to add to a bonus, she married my, um, cousin. (laughs) So that always makes it extra special. (laughs) So uh, Elizabeth, for those people who perhaps uh, don't know you, and uh, I I would kind of like you to tell a little bit about yourself. I I know you had shared with me that you was born in the Philippines. Yes, I was. Uh, I was born in Quezon City, Philippines. Uh, you know, and I'm the oldest of 10, so you could see why uh, there was a lot of parallels in my family and Lawrence's family, you know, that he also comes from a big family. And uh, and then um, when I was a teenager, um, I was an exchange student in the United States and uh, lived with an American family. So an American um, student also lived um, over there in the Philippines uh, with us, so it was a true exchange and that's how I learned a lot about the American way of life uh, coming from the Philippines. Um, but my life has been uh, an ongoing travel, <laughs> so you'll find that out more. Sure. Well, you know, to me, you really don't have an accent. Did they teach you English in school, or was it basically from, you know, having lived over here? And we Our original language is called Tagalog, right? So that is my first language. And then my second language is English. And then uh, I also went to school in Spain, so that's my third language. And I have uh, Spanish ancestry. My grandfather was from Spain, and so that's how it is you know, oh. with my family, yes. Uh-huh. You know, I... Um I'm a little embarrassed. I I tell my listeners I'm very bad at pronunciation, and I have <laughs> I have tried to learn Lakota, and I uh-huh. since I didn't grow up with my folks speaking it, I uh-huh. uh, I only know a few words, and most of them are good words, but there's a few that isn't. But <laughs> but you know how that well, goes. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, in terms of Lakota, I learned a lot of the Lakota Inipi songs um, 
along with Lawrence when, uh, in the sweat lodges. And, so, and also when I worked uh, at the reservation uh, at the hospital, uh, I, a lot of uh, my patients over there tried teaching me some Lakota words. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I would kind of like you to kind of expound a little bit on your journey through life. And I want people to understand that you're so highly educated and you have a, a dual um, in psychiatry. I'm not sure what the word is. How- oh, okay. And so I've been practicing uh, psychiatry, both child and adult. So I'm uh, specialized and have um, certifications in both child and adult psychiatry. Uh, So I've been doing that for over 40 years. What brought me to the reservation was that uh, I was with a team of other doctors from all over the world. Uh, We were all friends, and we were wanting to serve or help out and get to meet people uh, during a back-to-back blizzard there in 2008. And interestingly, um, usually I travel as part of a team when doing any kind of medical missions. Uh, we're all different specialties, you know. And um, But this time, for some odd reason, I was the only one who could make it, and they all wanted to go. Um, like one doctor, uh, you know, a, a relative died, and another doctor who wanted to go, um, you know, that was really a high time and peak season for traveling because it was around Thanksgiving. And so he could not quite get um, a reasonable plane fare. So it just went on like that. And then here I was, I ended up going by myself, oh, you know. But, uh, <laughs> wow, I, I know that, I I know that story, but um, what was your original purpose for going? Can you explain that a little bit? Well, um, you know, I've done a lot of uh, uh, global missions. Uh, they, they're short-term global missions and collaborated with um, organizations and colleagues in organizations like World Vision and Doctors Without Borders. Um, you know, so essentially what I do there is serve them uh, as a physician slash psychiatrist and do whatever we can to help out with the villages, for example, in Africa, uh, and over there, a psychiatry is like um, a psychiatrist is one to a 1.5 million patients. You know, so you you can imagine the need and the lack out there. But in Africa, I ended up um, uh, really uh, uplifting a cause uh, of clean water for the world because uh, people don't realize that. Uh, we still have a lot of people dying from uh, unclean water. And so it's it's really tough when uh, we doctors go over there and we're trying to serve people, and yet um, they're dying anyway from uh, drinking uh, unclean water. And so that became a real thrust in a lot of the interactions I had in uh, the people of Uganda, for instance. Well, how did you end up deciding to do psychiatry? That's, you know, kind of different. And Well, I really didn't uh, originally want to go into psychiatry. Uh, uh, I went to med school in Spain. They have a six-year medical school, school over there. And uh, part of me um, wanted to really please my grandparents because I loved them dearly. 
So we really love our elders in the Philippines, uh, pay them a lot of respect, and they all are very much hands-on in helping take care of us. Um, but since my grandfather was uh, from Spain, I just wanted to please him, and, and I went over there and wanted to learn Castilian language. So before my grandfather died, um, it was so neat to be able to communicate with him in, in Spanish, and you could just tell that he just uh, just felt very good about it, you know, just by his responses and everything. So I really felt good about that. And from there... Um, uh, I finished my med school in Spain and went back to the United States and did my psychiatric residency over here. Actually, when I was in Spain, um, they re- tried to recruit me for pediatrics, uh, surgery, and family practice. But then I ended up working with a team of psychoanalysts and psychiatrists out there because they needed somebody to translate from um uh, English to Spanish because they had Americans who were out there and were needing help. And for some reason, that's how I got my intro into psychiatry uh, and ended up really enjoying the interactions with people and just getting to know people's hearts and minds uh, was really very, um, just kind of became my passion. Uh, and that's how I ended up doing my psychiatric residency when I came back to the U.S. and and then went on to pursue uh, doing a fellowship also in child psychiatry. And and that's how everything began in terms of psychiatry for me. Can you tell us about your trip when you came to to Pine Ridge, South Dakota? <laughs> okay. All right. And so we go back to when... Uh, uh, several of us, uh, seven uh, colleagues of all different different specialties, um, decided that hey, you know, there's um, a couple of back-to-back blizzards going on at the Pine Ridge Reservation. Uh, several of us wanted to get to meet uh, Lakota people uh, to serve uh, and uh, do whatever we can, no matter how little, to help out in any possible way. Um, and so we all sort of. Uh, banded together and thought that we would, you know, go over there to the reservation and see what we could do uh, for a short-term kind of uh, uh, work. Uh, During that time, like I said, um, everybody couldn't make it all of a sudden at the last minute, and it was only myself that could make it, which I've never done that before in terms of going on uh, a, a trip or, or um, doing service uh, out there and not having a team, if that makes any sense. But uh, the way I ended up uh, getting to Pine Ridge was I tried to contact uh, several people, grassroots workers, and, um, you know, um, at that time when, when you're in uh, a lot of medical mission work, you you end up getting to know, uh, you know, names of people who are grassroots workers and and, um, you know, by word of mouth, uh, for some reason, um, four names were given to me. And guess what? Uh, the fourth name was Rosalie, Lawrence's sister. And so she was working with One Spirit at that time. And uh, uh, the first three people I contacted were out of town. And then Rosalie, thank goodness, was the one who answered at that point in time. And uh, so we coordinated time uh, to meet and uh, and... And that's how it initially went. <laughs> and and I <laughs> yeah. and I understand that there might be a a book coming out about this experience. And 
what would be the name of the book? Okay, so uh, that's a good question, Sandy, because uh, I actually um, just published my fourth book, okay? And I have um, a book called Your Compassionate Nature. That's the first book I ever um, really just uh, did, and it had to do with a lot of photography of uh, the places I've been to and the different short-term global missions that I participated in. And what I wanted to portray in that book was uh, that there's beauty in the midst of disasters, if you can even believe that, because you have to really focus on that balance. Uh, For instance, when I was in Uganda, there there was some kind of uh, um, conference that we were doing for clean water, and at that time I was working with a lady, and she was having seizures, and she was pregnant. And before you know it, People were screaming and talking about how Kony and the rebels are right there in Gulu, Uganda, you know. And so everybody was uh, in turmoil at that point, and a lot of uh, my Ugandan friends were literally guarding me and our team to make sure we were not hurt. And But at that time, for instance, at that very moment when we were trying to find a secure place, all of a sudden there was this beautiful sunset, you know, and they know that... I love photography, and for some reason I had that uh, iPhone and and did um, uh, a photo of that sunset in the midst of all this chaos, you know, and that became the cover of my uh, coffee table book. That's the first book. And then the second book is called um, The Courage Utmost, and this was uh, a collaboration between uh, uh, myself a colleague uh, who was in Doctors Without Borders and also in uh, International Rescue in Africa. And so we collaborated uh, and dialogued about a lot of our experiences where he was really um, working with man-made disasters like uh, a lot of the situation in Sudan. And I was somehow ended up in situations where I was serving people who were having in the mid- were in the midst of natural disasters like uh, the tsunami and all that. So I really can't tell you exactly how my life went that way, but, uh, you know, sometimes when you are focused on serving others or doing something very uh, creative or, uh, and you're, or you're doing something that uh, hopefully can uplift uh, humanity even in a small way, it just takes a life of its own. Uh, so... I normally grew up in a family where my parent, my dad was a surgeon uh, and my mom went to med school with him, you know. And so I have a lot of uh, healthcare professionals uh, as well as lawyers and artists in my family. And um, so I think that's how it all evolved. And, and normally I was fine with uh, uh, the medical missions because I was used to that, but never in my mind or my life that... I could imagine that I would be in the midst of disaster relief work. Yes, and that shows you're a very brave person. Not everybody will put themselves out for something like that. Uh, Well, your first book, um, how how would people get a hold of that if they wanted to purchase it? Okay. Unfortunately, my first book was is a limited edition because it's a coffee table book, and at that time we were needing funds to make sure that we had some water purifiers, you know, 
for um, for Uganda because uh, one water purifier literally could help out a whole village, uh, you know, of 10,000 people. Um, so we trained uh, and uh, in terms of putting the, the water purifiers together, we went to uh, a place in Indiana and uh, there was uh, a man there who invented these water purifiers, a faith-based man, and uh, he taught us how to you know, put together these water purifiers, and when we went to Uganda, we had trainers. So that book is pretty much already limited. So then we have Utmost, and that's uh, in collaboration with Dr. <clears throat> Ashish Brahma. And, uh, and, uh, and then the, I have a third book called The Courage to Encourage. And uh, you were talking about courage. Uh, a lot of times, really, courage is gleaned out of uh, it starts out with fears that you overcome, and you know, no, none of us can have courage without fears, right? Uh, but it's the idea that when we overcome our uh, overcome our fears, that's when uh, the courage within us start to blossom. And so that book is a lot about my um, uh, my. Uh, it's like a thesis on courage and what courage is about. And then I also wrote about exemplars of courage who I thought were exemplars of courage in the world, besides exemplars of courage within my community and personal life. But it also uh, depicted, and I also wrote about my own uh, uh, healing in terms of how I overcame certain fears and also overcame uh, losses, tragedies, uh, and all that. And, and, you know, coming from a big family, we have a lot of joys, but we also have a lot of sorrow when we lose our loved ones or if things happen to our loved ones. And so that's pretty much uh, a book inspired over, like, 20 years. And uh, the pandemic in itself literally uh, became a, a catalyst uh, for me, writing and finishing the book, because now I'm not traveling as much, so I have more time to write the book. And then, and then the Phoenix Miracle, uh, which I just published, is more like a sequel to the Courage to Encourage. So it is a lot lighter. Uh, it's a lot of more um, where you can write certain things. I, uh, you know, at the end of every little story, there I. I literally put a space where people can answer questions and, and write their own answers so that they can acquire more insights about themselves and how to soar and overcome disasters, losses, or tragedies. Uh, and then, of course, I'm waiting for my first children's book, um, and, and it's a children's book for all ages, and the topic is love. Wow. That's wow. all the books. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, so I've been busy during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good. I mean, uh, I think people, and and I think it's a natural human response to get, you know, lonely and and depressed, and you have to do something beyond yourself to help you get through it, and. I think you've chosen some great things because not only will that help ha, has helped you, but it's going to reach out and help a lot of people. Can you give me a little example of one of the stories there in your book? Um, one of the stories in The Courage to Encourage the, uh, as a, an exemplar of courage are um, stories about the people who 
I literally treated, you know, I learned a lot from the, my patients. Uh, and so there are certain examples. Of course, I had to change the names and, you know, just to protect their confidentiality. Um, but uh, many of my patients who have gone through so much uh, and have overcome a lot of their um, losses and tragedies in their lives and became such better people, uh, they became my inspirations uh, in terms of this book. Uh, and also, of course, uh, family uh, losses, how to overcome losses and how I watch family members uh, not just survive, because surviving, uh, you know, we can survive and that's the first step of healing, right? However, if we just stay in survival mode, what happens is some people stay bitter, if that makes any sense, and still are angry. So it feels like we're walking zombies still, you know. Um, and and so my, my personal positive challenge to myself and everyone is to soar beyond disasters, losses, and tragedies and heal from them because we do heal uh, and everyone has different timing in terms of healing and then really give a lot of light, compassion, and love to the world, utilizing our experiences to help others. I um, would ask you, this might be a hard question, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can answer it. <laughs> what would you say uh, the three attributes that people have that are able to soar and not get stuck in this bitterness? Uh, number one is the desire to heal is the first thing. That is one uh, attribute that uh, most doctors or people in the healthcare profession know that when a human being desires to heal from the bottom of their hearts and that they desire to uh, get better, that is the single most important attribute that we all can have in terms of healing. And then the second is to make sure that we're open-minded to all kinds of healing, that we're not just stuck to one type of healing. I call it be open to four directions healing, if that makes any sense, Sandy. You know, uh, Because sometimes we're just stuck with the medical, scientific way of healing. And here I'm talking to you as a medical doctor, and that's just one way to heal, okay? It's significant, but it's just one way to heal. But there's a lot of things, uh, all kinds of healing, like alternative medicine, a lot of indigenous healing, a lot of spiritual uh, healing, and the idea is uh, to heal not only the body, but the mind, body, and spirit. Uh, and I think uh, we want to see people as a totality rather than just fragments of symptoms. Uh, and a lot of times, sometimes that happens where people come in uh, to, to doctors and they talk about one symptom, but really, you know, you got to look at the total person. Uh, so what's behind the symptom? How is this symptom connected to everything else? So the deep desire to heal, okay, being open-minded to all kinds of healing, and also believing that we have the resilience to get better and to heal as human beings, to, 
at least for me, I could just tell you that that's coming from me and I just don't apply that to others, but I apply it to myself personally. Sure. I um, just had an interview with my cousin, I call him my brother Vic, Swallow, Uh and he's 81 years old and Uh very wise and very strong, and he he got COVID. And um, my our interview was basically he wanted to tell people how, how, you know, what happened to him, what his experience was. One thing I did notice, you know, even though he's having some problems now with regaining his strength, I'm sure he's going to regain it. And but he said it just did not never occur to him that he wasn't going to get out of that hospital. And I thought that had to have been part of the factor that he was eventually, after 12 days, able to get out of the hospital and go home. And, you know, right now, with the way our world is, I mean, this is so very, very important um, to encourage one another, to uplift one another. And I haven't read your book, but I'd sure like to. (laughs) (laughs) I would be interested in knowing what you think. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so this book that's coming up, can you tell me a little snippet of that to intrigue people? <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a couple of books coming out and, uh, uh, actually the next book coming out is actually Lawrence. You know, I just, uh, we were, ha- we just were working on that, um, you know, this past few months and it is his poetry book. And it's entitled uh, A Lakota Warrior's Heart. That was actually just organizing and editing and all that. So we have been working on that. Those poems were already there and have been uh, narrated and broadcasted on Keeley Radio over the years, you know, um, because he had tried to raise awareness uh, regarding all kinds of things going on uh, in the reservation and also uh, poetry about the resilience of the people and the beauty of the spirituality uh, uh, and the culture uh, that uh, Lakota people have, you know, and, and people, I think it's good for that to come out. And then uh, then we're going to be, we already started a book called A Spiritual Warrior and His Lady Doctor. <laughs> so it's going to be a book. <laughs> it's going to be a book about a lot of what we're talking about right now. How in the world did an island girl like me, right, from the Philippines, end up with a Lakota man, right? <laughs> right. That It is kind of an unusual. Now, you know, Wayne, is his background is Irish. And, you know, the Irish and the French liked Lakota women. So uh-huh. that that's a little more normal. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know. And so I think that's going to be a fun thing to do. And also that would also help create awareness about uh, the balance of life that with tragedies and uh, losses and, uh, you know, a lot of the abuses. Uh, it's generally balanced by a lot of the spirituality, the beauty of the culture, uh, the just the, the uh, virtues of the people, per se, you know. And so I think... Uh, uh, just the basic humanity of people. There's one uh, golden thread among all of us is our basic humanity, uh, no matter what culture or race we are. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to um, 
write about that and also incorporate some of our poetry in that book. We'll we'll uh, let you know about it. <laughs> yes, do we'll we'll have to have another interview down the road and and uh, explain things. Uh, what's what more is happening because we don't stand still. There's change every day, and th- this was one reason I wanted to start Lakota Link was um, uh-huh. there. There's a link amongst us as people and there's a connection and we we shouldn't forget that it doesn't matter you know whether we're from the philippines or wherever we're from you know we uh-huh. um and i'm i'm very glad that you was willing to come on and visit <laughs> with me about this i i would like to visit with you once again elizabeth you okay. know and uh but before i go i'm uh-huh. i would like to say i when i visit with somebody i always try to think in terms of lakota virtue uh values and uh-huh. virtues and the thing n- not only do you have quite a few of them so i I try not to give people a whole bunch. <laughs> but I think <laughs> yeah. I'm I, I focused down to one, but I uh-huh. would say your Lakota value would be generosity. You have such a big, beautiful heart, and for for everybody, not just um, your immediate family for sure, but but other people. You're so willing to put yourself out there and to lend a helping hand, and that's just very important right now that we we do that for others and then there will be a healing of our nation i'm hoping so thank you for being on lakota link oh and and thank you it's an honor for me to be interviewed by someone like you and and you are an amazing person and your artwork is so universal and i'm so proud of you sandy <laughs> thank you my friend <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed our segment. You know, I I enjoy visiting with the people. And if you did, go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it. Or if you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us, and I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend, Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila, thank you for joining us.